is passionate about cars with Steve Kennard, teaching drivers how to survive the world of modern motoring and imparting wisdom to the next generation of motor technicians. Steve's rushing around like a blue-arse fly this morning and I've walked in and he's got a Triumph stag on the rack with an overheating engine and he's already been to the car and got a newspaper out and he's ranting about cycle lanes. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to the cycle lanes in a minute Andy. Um, we, I guess we best get the sort of uh, the garage business um, out of the way first of all. Yeah, what's the story with this, tri- this lovely yellow Triumph stag without an engine? I said to the guy that um, owns the stag um, that you know, he's losing water. It was losing it from around what appeared to be around underneath the manifold in the middle of the um, the engine. It's a V8 engine. Mm-hmm. Um, not very easy to actually see underneath the manifold what's going on. But when we took the uh, manifold off, we could then see that it was actually leaking from uh, the heads, sides of the heads. Um, so we said to him, you know, it, it's um, you're losing uh, water from around the heads um, and obviously the heads need to come off so mm. said okay uh, took the car away and uh, I think it was about three days after that um, it decided to uh, overheat and blow the hoses um, pressured up blow the hoses uh, and uh, we recovered it we've got it back here now um, obviously done a head gasket yeah, I can head. see a mangled head gasket on top of it yeah, well, it's, it's done, done a, I mean, there's two egg gaskets, so, you know, it's, it's really a case on these, take the engine out, um, but this particular engine had a little bit of a, a chatter from the um, timing chain, which they're quite prone for, and also a little bit noisy on the camshaft, um, and when we've actually stripped it, one of the, um, the buckets, or the, the followers on top of the valve, has... Um, the cam has actually worn through it. The cam on one of the lobes has worn square, um, and one of the other followers is cracked. So, yeah, I mean, this this engine, um, according to the owner, was actually rebuilt two years ago. So I don't know who rebuilt it, but it um, hasn't lasted very long for two years because it hasn't done an awful lot of miles in those two years. No, it's now hanging on the chain, and there's somebody, there's a young chap, is he, is he doing painting it? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we said to the guy that owns the car, you know, whilst it's out, um, we've got the block stripped right down now. Uh, the block's just hanging there on the hoist. Uh, mm. And um, we got um, young Richard there. He's actually um, uh, he's actually painting it, you know, being a, a stag, the, the car that it is. I mean, and also while the engine's out, we'll give the engine bay a good clean out and mm. probably even polish the engine bay for him. Um, but... But yeah, I mean, it, it, it needs a full rebuild. Um, we, we've made inquiries. I don't doubt there are engines out there somewhere, but yeah, it does seem like the, the best way to, to do this mm. is to actually rebuild it. And if we rebuild it, um, then we know um, it's going to be done right and done properly. Because if yeah. that engine, we don't know the history. All I know is that it was a, supposedly a recon two years ago. And, um, and of course, it's you know two years down the road, it, it's not in a very good state for a two-year-old engine, you know. Mm. So, so you've got to sort of wonder what sort of recon did they do, or was it just a con engine rather than a recon? <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe it was a recon. It was maybe it had been conned before, and now it's been conned again. Well, recon. Yeah, yeah I, I suppose it is. It depends on the old definition of the word recon, you know. So the block's fine. It's just the bits that go onto the block that need replacing, is it? Yeah, the block itself's okay. Um, it's uh, you know, obviously head gaskets. Of, um, they're quite prone for it. Um, t- 
timing chains, they tend to wear. This one was a bit chattery. Um, so, so we're going to replace all this. Um, uh, the heads have been sent away. They've been tested. They're okay. They've been faced up and pressure tested. Steve, when you say the heads, just explain what the heads are again. Heads, they're cylinder heads. Um, it's, it's a V8 engine, yeah. Yeah. So which means it's got eight cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's two cylinder heads uh, on this. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they actually um, do what they say. They're the heads. They're, they go on the top of the engine. Mm. Um, and uh, they have the valves inside. They have the camshaft sitting on the top, which open the valves. And the chain that sits on the front of the engine uh, inside a casing turns the camshafts, which open the valves. Um, and because it's a V8, it has two actual separate heads, does it? Yes, there is. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's two, two separate heads uh, being a V8. Um, the V is the configuration of the engine, so it's, it's sort of configured like a, a V. So you've got four cylinders on uh, either side. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then you have the manifold, uh, inlet manifold, which is where the, um, uh, the air comes in through, uh, on, sits on the top of the engine between the two heads. So that, that's the, the basic sort of configuration. I mean, these engines, we've said it before, the Stag engines are renowned for being what I'd class as a soft engine. They're not, they're not, um, they were never designed to take much stick um, because of the, the problems that, were, um, that, that you got with them. Unlike the Rover V8, I mean, the Rover V8 engine, again, V8 configuration, um, lasted for years i mean they used the same basic block for probably about nigh on 40 years the, the rover v8 engine you know just gradually modified it as it sort of went along and um you know and it's still running around in lots of um pretty new sort of range rovers uh mm. um, so you know it's uh, that that particular rover v8 engine uh, i believe um was taken from a design uh, from the states it was a originally like a sort of an American design mm. which um, Rover or British Leyland back then um, Austin Rover whatever they were mm. back in the 50s That's took, going back a bit isn't it? It is yeah I mean they, they took a the design and, and that engine was, was far superior to this engine this mm. this Triumph for V8 is basically naff Pants say. Yeah absolutely mm. um, and, and the annoying thing is I mean they used this particular engine, um, if, if you was to, say, cut it in half so that you've got four cylinders, mm. where well, you would be looking, in effect, at a Triumph Dolomite engine, mm. um, which is half of a V8 four-cylinder. And that, as well, never really took a lot of stick, um, had its problems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's the Triumph engines were not the best, um, and they would have been much, much better, much more reliable had they have put the V8 in. Um, but of course, classic cars, people like classic cars to be original. Mm. And if you put a V8 Rover engine in it, whilst it would be mechanically superior, mm. it's not original. And, uh, and the purists would say, you know, well, that's it. The car is uh, not worth as much as devalued because it is not original. So. It's devalued because it's better. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's more unreliable. It uh, suffers lots and lots more problems, um, but it's worth more. Mm. Hmm. So, Steve, um, what do you think of the um, this new rule that the council are bringing in? That three strikes and your car gets towed now if you don't pay your tickets. Well, I suppose uh, you know, on on the face of it, really, if if you get a parking ticket, um, 
I say to everybody, if you get a parking ticket, first thing you've got to do is contest it. Don't pay it straight away, contest it. You know, if, if you're in the right or if you're in the wrong, you still have the right to contest the ticket. Mm. There's various websites you can go on that um, people sort of claim to be able to get the ticket squashed on technicalities mm. and various things like that. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's definitely worth sending a letter in. Uh, I mean, I, I'm against the amount of tickets. Like, like most motorists, I'm, I'm against the amount of tickets that are issued to motorists, um, you know, because... Uh, purely by definition a group of people that are um, you know sort of uh, persecuted um, let's say because motorists I class them as being persecuted you know they're a persecuted group of people um, so so I suppose by um, definition um, that's discrimination and discrimination laws in this country are such that we shouldn't discriminate against anyone should we Motorists included, mm. you know. um, but this this three strikes rule that they're doing, um, yeah. I mean, if if you get a parking ticket, um, then um, you you contest it, you know. But I mean, if if you accumulate three parking tickets and you you refuse to pay them or you don't pay them, mm. then um, you know they're looking at uh, lifting the vehicles, taking the vehicles away. Um, and put them in a compound and then charging you more money for storage and more money to, um, you know, to, to retrieve your vehicle. And uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's money again. It's just mm. bottom line, it's money, um, which I think, you know, enough is enough. Let's leave the motorist alone. You've had enough money out of the motorist mm. um, and... Uh, Look at someone else to persecute. Well, I, I read in the paper that, um, so it must be true, I read in the paper that uh, the revenues from um, parking had fallen by a million or are projected to fall by a million. Why is that? Do you know why that is? And this is perhaps why they're doing this? Yeah, well, you know, figures and statistics again. Who, who comes up with these figures? Who comes up with the statistics? Mm. And, um, and who decides that the revenue is going to fall by however much it is? And, you know, it's, there's no different to... A guy goes to work, earns a wage, he mm. gets used to living on a certain wage. Mm. The council get money. They've got so used to getting so many millions mm. off the motorists that they wouldn't be able to live without it now. Mm. Mm. You know, so as soon as they get a drop, they look at it as a drop in revenue. Well, surely that's the wrong way to look at it. Mm. It's not a drop in revenue, is it? Mm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just fines um, and, and any way that they can to try and um, you know get more money back in the coffers mm. uh, albeit the wrong way because I, I keep saying you know leave the motorist alone mm. give us a break maybe we should have, they should pick on the pedestrian we should have pavement tax to be quite honest you know if you're going to tax one group of people um, you know pedestrians fine yeah you know yeah but what if you're a pedestrian and a motorist you get double you know double whammy then don't you well, no, I mean, you know, two for one deal. <laughs> yeah, so I, I read in the paper, sorry, just changed the subject suddenly. Um, I, I read in the paper that um, uh, because of a cycle lane, they're going to have to move a listed shelter one metre. Did you read that one? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, this, this is where we go. Uh, common sense. Uh, over the past few years, uh, common sense has been taken away from the British mentality. Uh, so so we, we're breeding now a nation of people without common sense 
So, you know, the way of thinking, I mean, there's this, um, in last night's um, local paper, the Argus, uh, there's a bit about the cycle lanes there again. Um, and, uh, and and it highlights the problems with cycle lanes. Um, and, um, you know, they've, they've got uh, up at um, Hollingbury by Asda's, um, they put a cycle lane in, fine, on the pavement, fine, you know, so the cyclists can knock the pedestrians over like they do around the town um, and uh, and they've painted this cycle lane with road signs posts mm. in the middle of the cycle you've lane got, you've got the paper in your hand now oh, haven't you? yeah, yeah. I, I have and it, it's you know I mean it is <laughs> so there's this cycle lane with a sort of roundabout um, sign right yeah. in the middle of it yeah this this is actually if you look at the, the picture here it's actually on the entrance to um, Asda's going up oh yeah uh, mm. um, so, so you've got the pavement, mm. you've got this cycle lane marked out, you know, at a cost of however many, like, thousands of pounds that they put these cycle lanes in. We've got a couple of posts sitting there right in the middle of the cycle lane, which they've kindly painted little white sort of mini islands around <laughs> for the cyclists to go around. And um, <laughs> it's, is, that, is that just not stupidity? Now, surely whoever put those lines in would have sort of thought, you know hang on a minute let me use my common sense and let me talk to somebody at the office and say are you sure you want us to put this cycle lane in around some posts you know and going back to what you were saying about the um um, the shelter on on the seafront now those shelters have been there for donkey's years Mm. um when i say donkey's years i mean we're talking back in the um, 19th century mm. I believe they were mm. put in uh, along the seafront so here we go like common sense again we'll put a cycle lane in on the seafront there where there's lots and lots of people walking around mm. so that we can take a few pedestrians out as well you know um, and uh, this cycle lane goes past this shelter where pedestrians want to sit mm-hmm. and admire the view mm-hmm. um, they've now decided after I don't know, 10 years, I think it is, that the cycle lane's been there. They've now decided it's dangerous. Um, so we're going to move. They're looking at moving the shelter at a cost of thousands of pounds to the taxpayer. Instead of moving the cycle lane at a cost of maybe tens of pounds, you know, move a couple of lines and move the cycle lane, which has only been there 10 years as opposed to 150. 40 odd years or 150 years however long the, the shelter has been there and we're going to move this listed structure because of the cycle lane now that is typical Brighton Council logical thinking isn't it you know um, to come up with these sort of schemes these, these cycle lanes you know you have cycle lanes that are five foot long mm. Mm. why <laughs> yeah, I mean, why? I mean, that's just that really is. That really I've, I've is heard stupid. people complaining about the cycle lanes down on uh, is it Madeira Drive uh, down by Peter Pan. So you park your car and then you open your door immediately onto a cycle lane, and then have to cross a cycle lane to get onto the pavement. Yeah, I, again, that that Madeira Drive there. You know, that's that road there um, is uh, it's a lovely old road. Um, it's used for various things like including the um, like the, the speed trials, Brighton speed trials that's mm. been running for a number of years now um, plus various other events the old uh, London to Brighton runs and uh, the marathons and things like that all sort of finish up on the seafront there um, well again in their wisdom they put this cycle lane in 
this cycle lane is actually, if you look at it, probably wider than the pavement. Um, it's probably wider than one of the um, carriageways down there. Um, so so we, if, if you actually go down there, it's total confusion. You, you've got the pavement, you've then got a cycle lane that is so wide that you could drive a bus on it. You've then got car parking, which appears to be the cars abandoned in the middle of the road. You've then got these um, large, great, what I'd call almost like window tubs, you know, the old flower tubs, mm, mm. stuck across the middle of the road mm. so that people can run into. Um, and uh, the, But they're supposed to treat them like a chicane and they're supposed to slow people down. But if you actually go down there and you look and there's one or two cars parked along there, they look for all the worth as though the cars have been abandoned in the middle of Madeira Drive. You've got cyclists... The, the cycle lane sort of goes onto the road, mm. then it goes onto the pavement, back onto the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and again, you know, there's another picture here in the Argus about the cycle lane on the seafront. Going nowhere. On, on the actual um, footpath, and you can just see there cyclists in his day glow with his helmet on, trying to worm his way in between pedestrians that are totally, like, jamming up the cycle lanes. Um, but of course, they're going to say, well, we need to do something about it. Instead of going back to thinking, why did we put a cycle lane on a footpath in the first place? You know, let's do some... I can see what they're going to do. You know, they'll probably take the inside lane out down there and they'll make that for cycles only, give the footpath back to the pedestrians and say to the motorists, go to hell. That, I think, is probably the way they're going to go. You know, I mean, this is what they've been saying to the motorists... For I don't know how many years, you know, we, we're going back to like persecution and um, discrimination again here. Well, on that positive note, we better leave it there, uh, Steve. Uh, but thanks for talking to us. And uh, if you need your car fixed, come to Steve's excellent garage, first class garage in, uh, in Kemp Town in Brighton, UK. Thanks, Steve. Okay, thanks, Andy. Thanks for listening to Passionate About Cars. Visit the podcast website at passionate-about-cars.com and Steve's excellent garage, First Class Garage, can be found at www.1stclassgarage.co.uk. 